Angels from the realm of glory, wing your flight over all the earth. Ye who sing creation story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Sages, leave your morning. My name is William. First, I'd like to uh, thank all our visitors coming and worshiping God with us. I would love for you to kind of hang around in the foyer, let us get to know you, and we, we hope that you come back again. You know, this year is winding up. It's uh, December 10th, and uh, a lot of people kind of decelerate. Uh, schools is kind of winding down. Uh, work, you know, uh, uh, we go to work, and all we could do is think about uh, how much money we got to spend for our kids' Christmas gift. You know how it is. But one thing about here, Worshiping God, we will continue to lift Jesus up. You know, God said, this is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. He tells us to hear him. And we're hearing him today and every day, whether the word is being preached to us or whether we are reading the word in his holy scripture. What I'm trying to tell you, family, it's going to get better and better as we stay closer to our Lord Jesus Christ. Every time we, we think about ourselves and our situations, we, uh, we take our mind off Christ. Give those burdens to our Lord Jesus Christ. He knows how to take care of them. Please go to God with me. Father, we come to you. Thank you for all the things that you have done for us, Father, spiritually and physically, Father. We thank you for redeeming us, Father, because we, we know that we need redemption. Father, we ask you to continue to bless our church here in North Provide. Father, we pray, Father, that we could touch the people that outside of the ark of safety by sharing your son with them. Father, we ask you to bless our worship service. Father, may it be food for our souls. And Father, we pray that we listen and take those nuggets 
from your word and apply it to our life. Father, we also pray that we, as we uh, partake of the Lord's Supper, remember what Jesus has done for us, his death, burial, resurrection, Father. That's, that's love and that's forgiveness. Father, as far as the world concerned, we pray for peace throughout the world, Father. We pray that men will understand, Father, we don't, we don't need them to concentrate on land, titles, powers, or trying to be somebody famous. We need them to focus, focus, and I mean focus on your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we love you, we thank you. We pray this prayer in his name, in our Lord Jesus' name, amen. Our congregational scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Shall we read together? Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. O little town. Oh, my God. 
Good morning. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for today and everything you've given to us. We, we ask there if there is something that you think we need to know that you teach us. We ask that if there is something you think that we need, uh, you give it to us. We ask that you help us regard others as more important than ourselves. We also ask, Father, that you would relieve our, our burdens when, when we pray. Um, not so much that our lives would become easier, but that victory over those burdens would bear witness to others of the power of your love and your way of life. We are, are grateful for you, Father, and each other. We ask us to help. Please help us love you more. Please help us love each other more. And we're grateful for your son and the amazing and terrible sacrifice that he made on the cross. And we, we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Our next song will help prepare our minds for observance of the Lord's Supper. Why did my Savior come to earth? like to turn to this I'm going to be reading from John 114 I once heard a preacher say this was John's shot at the nativity story um, I don't think that was really his intent but I guess you could view it that way but John says and the word became flesh and of course he's talking about Jesus here and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory glory is the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth. One of the things I wanted to show you here was 
Jesus was the perfect mix of grace and truth. It wasn't just grace, it wasn't just truth. He was both of them in, in one package together. In this day and time, the Pharisees, they probably did not want to hear the truth because they felt they already had it and had perverted it their own way in their traditions. They also didn't even really understand grace, nor did they think they needed it. But at the same time, there was a mass of people that needed grace desperately. The traditions of the day had oppressed them. And Jesus saw it, I think, in some of the verses you remember, where he's looking on them like they're lost and needing of a shepherd. And it's because of the oppression that they've dealt with. They spiritually need grace so bad. And they also really need what the real truth is, not just tradition, but the truth. And of course, as we know, Jesus came as the truth, the life, and the way, right? So this morning, Jesus went to the cross that we can have grace, that we can have forgiveness, and that we can understand that and the promise there that there's truth behind it and because of who he is. So this morning, remember this, our Jesus who we think about. He's this perfect balance of grace and truth and brought that to us as he went to the cross. Our Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that you sent your son to us. It's marvelous sometimes to think of him this time of year as coming in the form of an infant, so dependent upon humans. But Lord, we know we're so dependent upon him. And we're so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful that he would come and bodily sacrifice himself for us. We see the love there because of that, that he would do such a thing. And that we can have victory in this life because of what he did in going to the cross for us. So, Lord, we thank you for this memorial at this time and this bread that represents his body. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you would pray with me while we continue to pray for the blood. Our Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that Jesus was willing to shed his blood on the cross, that we can experience that grace through the forgiveness of our sins and what he did. Lord, it's what a wonderful thing that you would do for us. It's amazing always to, to me to think of the stain that sins caused in our lives I can think of the stain of blood on our clothes. But Lord, you make that pure. You make it pure and white as snow again. And we're just so thankful for that. We're, we're thankful for the cleansing that Jesus' blood gave. And Lord, we're just again thankful that he went to the cross for us. In his name we pray, amen. I guess that verse is really fitting for what we just prayed about, right? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.
Also at this time, we will take a moment to remember our giving. There's the four boxes in the back of the church if you'd like to put your offering there on your way out this morning. But we want to offer uh, God thanks for what he's given us as well as uh, pray about these funds that are collected. Our Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that, that you've given us the many blessings you've given us. Uh, Lord, we know in this country we're so material blessed. And Lord, we just want to pray that that you will help us be giving people. And Lord, this, this what we have given, we pray, Lord, that you will use that to, to, to help bring thy kingdom further along here in this community and even around the world where we have missionaries. Lord, we pray that, that it will help people benevolently, maybe in our community that are hungry uh, and people that are down and out in various ways and people that can need to hear thy gospel in, in so needful ways. Lord, it just goes so much and so far between our teens and senior adults and, and all the different activities and ministries that go on at this church. Lord, we pray that you'll bless these funds that will go on to allow people to be drawn to you and to be able to understand thy son more and more better. Lord, thank you for Jesus again, and it's his name we pray. Amen. Today I'll be reading Luke 5, 15 and 16. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and the great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to dislocate places and pray. Our children, second grade and younger, will now be dismissed for class. Our song before the lesson is entitled, Joy to the World. If it's convenient, shall we stand?
quick prayer. Um, um, Lex had a little issue and the ambulance is out there dealing with him now. So let's just pray for him real quick. Father God, we come before you, Lord. We're just grateful for this time where we can be together as family and just worship you and praise you, Lord. And Father, right now we're just thinking of Lex and uh, I know his oxygen levels went really low, really fast. So Father, right now there are good people out there handling his situation. We just pray for him and pray that um, you guide those steps and that um, you oversee that and, and heal him up for us. We thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and you know, I just love this time of year, don't you? Oh, I love it so much. It's just, it just seems like there's just so much to do. Have you been sitting around all year bored, and then you get to the Christmas season, and it's like you don't even have a day to spare. I mean, every day that I've had to spare, my wife's got me putting up a Christmas tree. I feel like we got more Christmas trees than we got rooms in the house. But the truth is, it is a wonderful time of year. It's a time where we get to see our family, where we get to catch up with friends, where some of us might have a little bit more time in our schedule. Some of us might be a little busy in our schedule. But the reality is there's so much good things happening. And... Unfortunately, though, sometimes there's so much good things happening, you just don't have enough time to do it all. And I was thinking about, you know, we've, we've talked about this in passing a couple different times over the last year, year and a half. But I was thinking about this, and I've always, always used this just to kind of lead into something, but I want to really lean into it today rather than just use it to lead into something. I wanted to talk about Jesus a little bit from a perspective that maybe, like, when you think of Jesus walking around on this earth, when that time was, what do you think about? What did that look like? Do we really have an accurate picture of what it looked like when Jesus was walking on this face of the earth? Could you only imagine? I want to give you a couple scriptures to think about this for a minute. Mark 1.45. Now this Remember this moment, okay? This is the end of the second day of Jesus' ministry. All right, that's what I'm calling it. You can make all the arguments you want on whether it's a second day, third day, fourth day, whatever. Okay, we know he has one day, second day, this, okay? Mark 1.45 says this, but he went out and began to talk freely. This is a man that was healed of leprosy. And you ever wonder why God, why Jesus himself would tell people after he did something amazing to them, hey, Keep this to yourself. Hey, don't tell anybody. Does that ever strike anybody as odd? When Jesus says that about himself all the time, he's just healed somebody of blindness. Hey, this is awesome, but don't tell anybody I did it. You ever wonder why he says that all the time? This is why he says that. So you got the man healed of leprosy in Mark 1, and he goes around and he starts to talk freely to everybody about what Jesus has done for him. He's, he's spreading the good news. So that Jesus, and the, but the problem is this, Jesus at this point, second day of ministry, second day of ministry, you find a minister that can do this on a second day, hold on to him forever because it's just not happening like this for anybody else. Second day of ministry, he can't even go into cities anymore. He can't even go into cities. If he goes into the city, he gets absolutely mobbed. 
Okay? We're talking about, like, for some of you, you're older, we'll go with the Beatles. We're talking about the Beatles. When they came out into public, oh my word, the girls went crazy. Some of the boys went crazy too. People had to worry about getting mobbed. They'd have security detail to keep people off of them. Maybe, maybe you need to go um, back to Elvis and how the, everybody went crazy for Elvis. Or maybe we can flash forward into the future and we can talk about maybe somebody like a, a Justin Bieber and everybody with their Bieber fever. But none of that honestly compares to Jesus. You see, there was nobody in all of history that was sought out more than Jesus. And not just sought out. It's not just like, oh, you're so beautiful. I love you. These were desperate people. And they were coming to get their problems solved, their diseases healed. They were desperate to see him. And they were crowding around him all the time, everywhere he goes, to the point where on his second day of ministry, I just want you to really get this in your head for a second. On the second day of ministry, according to Mark's gospel, he can't even go into cities anymore. He's got to meet them out in a desolate place, away from the city. You know why? Because by the time he gets to his desolate place, they're already there waiting for him. He can't even get into the city if it's known that he's coming. Second day of ministry. Now, some of you, you think you've got a busy schedule. You think there's a lot of people out there who want your attention and you have a hard time managing that. Imagine being Jesus. I know this is the way I feel sometimes. Not like this. Okay, don't get me wrong. I don't come to Titusville and have to hang out at the edge of the city. But you know what I'm saying. There's times in your life where it just seems like there's so much to do and you just don't have enough time to do it. In fact, you know, sometimes I just feel like this. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really have to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why. You ever feel like that? Yeah, that's not my words. I didn't make that up. Uh, that, that's a song. Mark 3. I want to show you a little bit of the extent to how quickly all this happens. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea and a great crowd had followed him. Now this is after a day where people are coming from everywhere and he's healing everybody and, and, and the word is just spreading about him. All you have to do is find that person that you love, that you've been praying for, that you want to be better and get them to Jesus. If you can just get them to Jesus, they are going to be better. They're going to be healed. Everything is going to work out. I mean, just think about that. And so a great crowd is following him in, in, in Mark chapter 3. Again, this was his life everywhere he went. A great crowd's following him. And this is what it says. It says they were from Galilee and Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, and beyond Jordan from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. They came to him. He didn't have to go to anybody. They were coming to him. Before he ever got to the city or anything, they were coming to him. I want you to see this. Now, here is a picture of that time. 
Here is a map of that time. I don't know if you guys can read it or not, but you got Sidon and Tyre up here. You got Edomia here, Decapolis, Galilee's all over here. You've got this whole area that he's already drawing from early in the book of Mark. He's already drawing from this entire area. That's a 12,000 square mile area where people are coming from every corner of this area. This is at the beginning. I'm going to talk about what it turned into later on. See, is this the picture we have of Jesus? When he's traveling, do we realize the amount of people that are following him? The amount of people that want his attention all the time, every day? And then you get to that part where he says, birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay, rest his head. You start to see that a little different. He's got an enormous following right from the beginning. He's got more work to do than he can get done in a day. And he's the son of God. That's why he tells his disciples, hey, go get the boat ready. Look, look what the scripture says. Hey, go get the boat ready because of the crowd, lest they crush him. You see how desperate they were to reach him? To see him? They're going to crush him trying to be the next person beside Jesus. And I love this too. Imagine this. So not only do you have Jesus, and this is probably something else we don't think about when we think about Jesus walking around, right? But not only do you have Jesus who's literally being mobbed by crowds everywhere he goes before he ever gets into the city. To the point where he has to have things lined up ahead of him to create space. So they don't kill each other trying to get to him. But you know, every time he walks by or gets in front of or, or gets in the presence of someone who's demon possessed, someone who has an unclean spirit in them. Do you know every time he gets there, they profess him? Look what the scripture says. I didn't say that. Mark said that. Do you think about that? I mean, how many people were demon possessed? It seems like every town he goes to, there's at least one. And I'm going to tell you right now, if we had a demon possessed person in Titusville, they'd probably be kind of infamous. Most of them were in their towns that they lived in. So you know that person's demon possessed and Jesus comes to your town and he doesn't even get into town because of the mobs. But guess what? It just so happens that little Tommy over here who's been demon possessed since he was a child and is now a crazy person. Nobody wants to be around. He comes to see Jesus too. We don't know why he's there. Maybe he was dragged kicking and screaming by somebody who loved him. I don't know. But at the end of the day, he gets there and he'll fall on his knees and he will cry out that Jesus is the son of God. What? Yet again, here's the demon-possessed people. And you can find through Scripture where it says that even Jesus, he, tell, he keeps them quiet. He keeps them quiet. He doesn't just let them scream about Jesus being the Son of God over and over and over again. He keeps them quiet. See how it says that? He strictly ordered them not to make him known. This is Jesus' life. Everywhere he goes, everything he does, there's no rest. His schedule is always full. How does he handle it? Isn't that the question 
of the day. Anybody else feel that way? Like, how do I get everything done that I need to get done? How am I supposed to go through this life? You know, I can tell you in ministry, you have a lot of relationships. And you have a lot of people that want to spend time with you. And you try your best to reach out to every single person and, and try to be as, as involved as you can be. But the reality is this. Even for, uh, I wouldn't consider us a large church, a small church is what I would consider us. Even, even for a small church like us. It's hard for one minister to, to be with everybody. And to even fulfill everything everybody wants them to do. And you know, the truth is you get to those places at times where you have those decisions and everybody's been there. It's not just in ministry. Everybody's been there where you have more than one person pulling at you, more than one pull, thing pulling at you. And no matter what you do, somebody's going to be told yes and somebody's going to be told no. Somebody's going to be super happy that you're there. Somebody's going to be disappointed. I mean, we all go through these things. So how do you manage time? What can we learn from Jesus? How did he manage his time being busy every day? Think about this too. His ministry roughly was three years long. He had an enormous amount of stuff he had to accomplish in three years. Some of you are already thinking, well, he was the son of God, Matt. Yes, he was. But the son of God, who was also 100% man, was completely constrained by time the same way you are. At least why he was here. Now, I'm not going to say he couldn't do some miraculous things. And we're going to discuss those. But how do he manage his time? I got three quick examples. Some of these we've already talked about, actually um, done sermons on. I, I spoke recently on the woman at the well. And we remember that Jesus was in Samaria because he was running for his life. You remember that? This wasn't part of his plan. This wasn't what he set out to do that morning. There were people trying to kill him. So he left and went to Samaria to avoid the people trying to kill him. And then he meets the woman at the well and they have their conversation that changes her life and she runs into town and tells everybody, you've got to come to the well and you've got to see the guy that's told me everything I've ever done in my entire life. He has to be. He could he be? Maybe he is. I think he's the Messiah. And you know, the people were so moved in that moment that even though it wasn't really ever part of the plan, in fact, actually, he's getting ready to go to Galilee after this, even though it wasn't part of the plan to stay in Samaria, even for a day, potentially at this time, but he was pushed by the people trying to kill him. He doesn't just stay for a day. They ask him to stay longer and he stays for two more. All right. Let that sink in. Could some of y'all do that? Your plans are laid out. Something comes up. It's going to delay your plans two days. Could you do that? Well, that'd be tough for some, right? John spoke on this. I'm glad John's here today. I was kind of hoping he would be. The bleeding woman. You know, we talk about this a lot. 
And here again, you can see the crowd and you can see the desperation of the person that's sick. If I could just, if I could just touch him, probably not going to get a chance to have a conversation with him, probably not going to get to have a one-on-one -on -one or anything like that with him, but if I could just touch him, But do we know what happens before and after? Another thing I want to point out too is, is before we even get into this, is, is this lady the only lady that ever touched him? I don't think I emphasized it in Mark 3, but in Mark 3, that's what it says about the sick, those who are diseased. They're just trying to get in his presence where they can just touch him. That's what Mark says in chapter 3. So I think a lot of people in desperation probably reached out and touched him. So why is this one significant? Why does God point this one out? Is this the only time that somebody touched Jesus unknowingly and was healed? Probably not. It seems like that's the implication. Again, go read Mark 3. The people were doing that all the time. So why this scripture? Why this one time where he's pointing this out? If this happened all the time? Well, how many other blind men did he heal? How many other deaf men? But there's other things around this I want you to look at. So again, it says when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, he gets to the other side. He's created space by this boat, this water. They can't follow. There's only limited space on the boat. Get in, disciples. We go to the other side. Okay, get to the other side. Guess who's waiting for him? Another crowd waiting. They already know he's coming. The word's already spread. The word's going faster than you can move in a boat with the wind. So here's that great crowd, and in that crowd just so happens to be a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus. And Jairus' daughter is sick, gravely ill. And Jairus has asked Jesus, just come, please come and heal my daughter. Now, there ain't a parent in here that can't sympathize with that, right? Just come and heal my daughter. So Jesus immediately starts to follow him. Well, this is when that moment happens. There's the great crowd. There's Jairus and Jesus on the way to Jairus' house to heal the daughter. And this is that moment when that woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, look at these, pay attention to these details. Pay attention to them. Because I'm telling you right now, I don't think this is the only time this happened. There's a reason God is showing you this time. So one, Jesus already has something to do. He's already made a commitment. Everybody agree with that? Okay, two, he's got this woman. And I'm telling you right now, probably thousands, if not tens of thousands of people probably touched Jesus. How many of those were healed? I can't tell you that. But probably a lot of them. But here's a woman... She's had a problem that's actually ostracized her from society. She can't even go into the temple and worship with this problem. She's considered unclean. She is no different than a leper. For 12 years, she spent all her money trying to solve it, trying to get healthy. She's went to every doctor in town, even the ones her friends said, if you just go there, I'm sure they'll fix it. They're the best. Didn't get the help she needed. Now she's out of money. She's out of options. She's desperate. She's desperate. To the point where she fights 
through the crowd. And again, think about the crowd. They're so desperate. Everyone in that crowd is so desperate that literally part of the job is making sure Jesus doesn't get crushed. You didn't realize the 12 disciples were security detail as well. But they are. Look what they say to him in this moment. She reaches through. She touches him. However she gets to him, she fights through that crowd. She touches him and she is healed. And Jesus is so busy because he's already made a commitment with Jairus and he knows his daughter's about to die that he stops and he just keeps walking and doesn't even recognize, right? Doesn't even realize what's going on around him. Nope, he's just walking. He's on a mission. He's made a commitment. He's going to keep his word. That's where he's going. That's how some of us would definitely react. That's not how Jesus reacted. Yet again, I want to say, if this is the only time in your mind that somebody touched Jesus and was healed, then maybe all of a sudden it makes sense that Jesus is like, whoa, I felt the power leave my body. Who touched me? Right? And the disciples are like, Jesus, you see this crowd around us? We can barely keep them off you. Everybody's touched you. Why are you asking who touched How are we supposed to know? There's hands flying everywhere, Jesus. But she knew that he knew. And he stops in that moment to minister to this woman. To acknowledge her. Not just the dedication it took to get her there. Not just the commitment it took to get her there. Not just the amount that she's went through to get to this moment. But the faith she had in Jesus. He stops and he acknowledges it. Now how long did that take? I don't know. But you know what I do know? During that conversation... Somebody from Jairus' house comes to him and says, you can leave the teacher alone. Your daughter's dead. Now, I don't know about you, but this is what I know. Grief talks. Do you know what I mean by that? Grief talks. Now, Jairus says nothing in this scripture, but what did he say up here? Because grief talks. And anybody who's went through some real grief, some real anguish in their life, man, there's a lot that can go on up here in those moments because grief talks. You know what I can hear him saying in that moment? If he just wouldn't have stopped. Or maybe he said... Oh, cool. This older lady who's had a nice life, who's lived a long time, she gets healed. But what about my daughter? Because grief talks. And so imagine this, this moment. You put yourself in Jairus' shoes. He's seen all this amazing stuff as he's just trying to get to his house so he can be the next person in line, if you will. He's seeing all this amazing stuff happen and then he finds out the worst news, the, new, the one thing he didn't want to hear. Your daughter's dead. Now I'm going I'm to flip to the end real quick and let you know that Jesus is like, don't worry. 
we're going to solve that too. And they go, and he raises her from the dead. But in that moment, did he have to stop? Did he have to acknowledge? Wasn't healing her enough? One more. About Lazarus. Some of you are thinking, Jesus, it's not Easter. It's Christmas. About Lazarus. You remember that, right? We, we went over with Lazarus as well. We went over all three of these examples in detail. Do you remember what happens? Jesus gets word. He's not... He's not in Bethany. He's not in Lazarus' hometown. And he gets word from Lazarus' household. Hey, Lazarus is ill. And then the scriptures say, you know, one, they explain who Mary is. And the significance in that relationship. You already know this powerful moment that happened with Mary. We also know that the other writers talk about her amazing reputation in town. You remember that? But then it says this at the bottom, it says, first of all, it says that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And when Jesus hears this, he says, this illness does not lead to death. Now remember this part. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This illness does not lead to death. And he loves them. And so if you're a disciple and you're hearing all this, what are you thinking? It's time to pack our stuff. We got to go. God's getting ready to go and heal Lazarus. We got to get over to Bethany. We're not in Bethany. We got to go. Is that what he does? Oh, he stays for two more days. What? I thought you loved him, Jesus. He stays for two more days. Now, do we get all the information of what happened in those two days? Not, not, not right here. But he doesn't leave. And then we find out another thing too. Oh, by the way, where you're going to, um, to, to see Lazarus? Last time you were there, they tried to stone you. You sure you want to go back there? Then, of course, when he gets there, what's happened? Lazarus is dead. He's not dead. He's been dead. Four days. He's been dead four days. He wasn't a little bit late. He was way late. And of course, Martha comes up to him and meets him before, by the way, before he ever gets in the city. Check it out yourself. Before, why? Because the mobs are going to be there. So before he ever gets to the city, Martha comes out, meets him, and she says, Jesus, if you were only here, everything would have been different. You'd have healed my brother, everything would be different. 
And Mary, she's so upset, she doesn't even go with Martha at first. So Jesus tells Martha, go get Mary. I want to talk to Mary too. And you know what Mary says the first thing she sees Jesus? Jesus, if you were only here, everything would be different. My brother would still be alive. And even the Jews that were with Mary and Martha begin to murmur. And they said, he can heal the blind, he can do all these miracles, but he couldn't find time to get here and heal one of his best friends, Lazarus? If he'd only been here. Now again, fast forward, Lazarus is raised from the dead. And don't forget that Jesus told them before this ever happened that Lazarus was not going to die and that Lazarus' life was about to be used for the glory of God to show that Jesus was the Son of God. And this is one, of the things I, one thing I want to point out to you in this busy time of life, in any of your busy times of life is this. Jesus was never in a hurry. He had more on his schedule every day than any one of us could have ever imagined. But you know what he was never? He was never in a hurry. What does that mean? Did he stay on task? Did he do things? Was he super focused and all that? Of course he was. But he wasn't in a hurry. He was not in a hurry, but always had a sense of urgency. That's why that sense of urgency takes over in that moment with the bleeding woman. You think about Lazarus. You think about Mary and Martha. Man, they had tremendous faith. The part I didn't read about Mary and Martha is where they're both saying, hey, you can do anything. You can still do anything. He wouldn't have been dead if you'd have got here earlier, but you can still do anything. They had amazing faith in Jesus. How much more faith do you think they had after they saw him raise their brother from the dead? What about all them Jews that were murmuring? How much more faith do you think they had when they saw him raise Lazarus from the dead? He always had a sense of urgency even though he was never in a hurry. See, I think we do it backwards. I think a lot of us, we run around in a hurry to get things done, but we don't have any urgency. Don't be so quick to move to the next thing that you miss the opportunity that stands in front of you. Don't look past the people that are opening the doors right in front of you. Because of something that you have to do over here in just a little while. Man, that's a difficult thing to do. And I'm gonna tell you something else. If you make the decision to do this, you're gonna get a lot of criticism. Because you know what's gonna be really hard to do? Be on time. Has anybody ever told you Jesus was late a lot? That's, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. Some of you are like, you are too much, Matt. Okay. Okay. And last but not least, Jesus had places to go, people to see, and things to do, but he always remained in the present. I think that's so important. He always was available. He was always in the present. 
When he got off that boat, he didn't know what was about to hit him. He had other plans that were leading through. He's just like anybody else. He's got plans. He's trying to accomplish things, but he always lived in the present. It wasn't part of his plan to get out and go heal Jairus' daughter. It's what happened. Some of you are like, no, it was God's plan. Okay, you know what I'm saying. Now I want to give you the flip side real quick. This is going to be much quicker. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and the great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed by their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. And what I want you to see is because of the great crowds, this became something Luke is telling you, this is just what he does on the regular. So I could go through every single scripture that shows you that, God, that Jesus himself spent a lot of time away, away from the crowds, on his own, with God, in prayer. I could show you that. But instead I wanted to show you something different, a little bit different. These are, these are some of the times. They're not all the times. But I want you to see something about Jesus that I think is significant in the times he chose to take, where the scriptures say he chose to take time to be alone. Okay? First one is this. How about the morning of day two of his ministry? Remember day two of his ministry was when the crowds went nuts and he couldn't even go in the city anymore? How about the morning of that? Because the day before that, he has an amazing day too. And now his 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 reputation is spreading like crazy. Well, the morning of day two of his ministry, he spends that morning with God alone in a desolate place. Mark 135. Luke 6, verses 12 and 13. There's an implication here. It doesn't say this flat out, but this is the implication. The implication is that while Jesus was in the process of calling his 12 disciples who would become 11 of the 12 apostles later on, says he spent every night alone in prayer with God. Every night. In fact, Luke writes it as if he didn't even sleep during this time. He spent those nights praying all night and would get up the next morning and go call some disciples. Matthew 14, 13, Jesus finds out John the Baptist has been beheaded as a birthday present for Herod's daughter. And he shuts everything down and goes and has time with God. You know what happens right after that? Right after that, he feeds the 5,000. And then shuts everything down and goes and has time with God. Do you know why he shuts everything down and goes and has time with God after he feeds the 5,000? Because that crowd was planning on taking Jesus by force to make him king. Do you know that? People went crazy over the Beatles. I don't think anybody's trying to make him king. People went crazy over Elvis. We call him the king. Uh-huh. But nobody really wanted to run the government. And Justin Bieber, let's be real. How about this one? Before Peter's great confession. Did you know that he was spending time in prayer? You know that he was alone with God before he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Oh, and I forgot to say this, but obviously after he feeds the 5,000, he has that moment with God in prayer. He's went up to the mountain. They've already taken across the boat. And that's when he walks on water. 
That's just a few of them. But I want you to see that in good, in bad, despite his busy schedule, despite everybody that's reaching out and needing help, that, despite all the things that are pulling him all the different ways, and good, let me tell you something, they're all good things. They're all righteous things. They're all things that if they were to happen, nobody would ever say was not the will of God. But he still took time to himself. He still took time to be alone with God. He still spent time in prayer with God on the regular. And this is really the challenge. This is the challenge to me. And I, it's actually a simple challenge, but it's not as simple as it seems. Because all of us are busy. We're all in a hurry. We all, we all have schedules and things to maintain. And you know what everybody's running out of? Never gets back. Time. So I'm asking you to make it a focus in your life to take time with God. Not just here. Not just here in a lead experience. Not just here. On your own. Be present with God. And again, be present with those that, you, that God surrounds you with, but also be present with God. Have real conversation with God. If you ever need to be inspired to have real conversation with God, go and read some of David's Psalms. David was a man after God's own heart. And let me tell you something. He told God exactly how he felt in all situations. Go read some of his Psalms and realize that they sang those as hymns. Be present, be real with God. Pray to him. Spend time in his word. Talk to him about what you're thinking. Cast your cares upon him. If you're not doing this, you're missing one of the biggest parts of being a Christian. One of the things that separates us from the world. It's not just a belief system full of rules that we can agree upon. It's a life and a relationship with God. And if you find yourself in that place where you're going up and down, where life's roller coasters just take you on the ride with them. Some days you're on fire for the Lord. Some days you don't even want to go to church. If you find yourself in that place, I'm going to tell you right now, it's because you're not taking enough time with God. So it's a wonderful time, the most wonderful time of the year. And you're going to be pulled in all kinds of different directions. Praise God. And guess what? Some of you, like me, are going to walk in during some of these times into very crowded rooms, into very crowded houses. And people are going to be pulling for your attention all over the place. Be present. Look for the opportunities. Don't just rush through the process. And when you get overwhelmed, whether that's with grief, whether that's with joy, whether that's in happiness or sadness, go take time to be alone with God. See what happens in your life. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in His blood Received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Had your sins washed away. Remembered no more. more separated as far as the east is from the west. 
Have you been baptized? Becoming a member of the body of Christ. And for those of us who have, will we be present? Will we be busy, but never in a hurry, although very urgent? And will we take time to be with God and be present in those times as well? Not just go on through the motions. Not just saying the same prayer you say every night or every day before you eat a meal. Be really present and speak to the Lord. If there's any reason to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing. to say thank you so much for the wonderful gift that I received last night. It was way too much. So I appreciate it very much on behalf of me and my family. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas in case I don't see you. And I promise you the next two weeks are going to be full of joy. Full of joy. Okay. Love you all. Matt, if you got too much money, you can put it in the blue box or the red box. <laughs> 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 protest. Uh, appreciate Matt's message. Um, this morning, for the class I taught, I uh, came across a phrase in Ephesians 5 that says, redeem your time. Um, and that one hits, hits me a lot of times. To make it, more, make it worthwhile, kind of like a coupon. It says it's worth a tenth of a cent, but all of a sudden it's worth a buck on cat food. Make your time worthwhile. And I think that's sort of the key that goes along with what Matt's saying. Make your turn time worthwhile. Um, I'll put some lifesavers out here for spite, I guess. Um, one of the good kids of this church, which there's always a lot of good kids, uh, and they know there's candy back there and they ask and they come and get some sometimes, but uh, they thought of me and got me a bag of lifesavers and they said it was okay to share. So hopefully these five lifesavers will be gone before we lock the doors today. There's one of each flavor, come get one. Um, grab yourself a bulletin, 
It's full of stuff. It's full of everything. Um, I don't even know where to start. I never do. So we'll start with that. Um, last night we had a good time. Uh, I threatened Jan Ward to put a picture of her with some Santa lips on, uh, on the announcement slides, but I don't think we did that. So we'll, we'll go with that. Um, this coming Sunday, or this coming Saturday night, the, uh, the Mount Dora group is coming over here. They've, uh, they've requested to come over. Uh, we, we used to go there every year. Uh, we've had a kind of back and forth thing, but they said they knew that we got a bigger turnout here when it's here. Not everybody can make the trip to Mount Dork, especially when it's night or rainy or whatever the case may be. And they like a chance to meet everyone. Uh, each month we send a check over to Mount Dora. It looks like every other check we send out. The one that goes to the electric company, the one that goes to the, the water, pay to water. It's just a check. But here and they get to see faces, they get to see love, and they get to see that. Um, come. If, whether you bought a gift or not, come, uh, come join us. Um, note from Camille says, um, it's this Saturday, arrive at 4.30 for all children, that's if any kids, arch kids as well as theirs, to do a craft, and then dinner will be at 5. You can sign up to bring desserts and drinks in the foyer. Uh, gifts need, should be in by today. If you've got a special case, we know about some of that. Amazon doesn't always move as fast as it should rest, as it does the rest of the year. Um, this year's theme is a coastal Christmas. So wear your board shorts, wear your Hawaiian shirts. This is a good time to wear that kind of stuff. So enjoy that. And on Sunday afternoon, not today, but Sunday week, as she usually says, um, there'll be a Christmas party for the kids in grades four through eight. Uh, it begins at noon after worship. Bring a $10 gift to exchange with one another. And they're doing that. So this kids are kids grades four through eight. That'll be right here. Move on, um, Christmas caroling. The ladies class is doing some Christmas caroling. Is it just ladies class or is it everybody? Just ladies class. There okay. So ladies class is doing some Christmas caroling. You're gonna go to Royal Oak on the 14th at 1130. You're going to Addington Place on the 19th at 1215. So you can see Arliss Nobles for more of that. You can see Sharon Evans. I hear she is the song leader. Uh, she's a professional though, isn't she? Is she she's way too humble though. She is. She's a professional. Many, many years experience leading singing. Uh, with kids, kids classes, right? Elementary school? Yes. So she knows her stuff. If she can get kids to sing, and the kids sing. But if you can get them to sing on tune and write words and stuff like that. Uh, Nicaragua, the Church of Nicaragua is collecting funds for what they call Sarepta. It's based on, a, they got that word out of uh, 1 Kings 17 where the widow shared what little she had. Um, they're doing that, and they're collecting money for that. We're collecting money to send to them to, for that. Uh, I got some money. Uh, if you would like to donate to that, bring it on, and we'll send it to Dennis in Nicaragua, and he will pass it to those who are in need. Uh, Lillian Lawrence, who was a former member here, uh, passed away last weekend. Uh, the viewing will be on December 16th at 1 p.m., and a service will be at 2 p.m. at the Brevard, North Brevard Funeral Home. So if, uh, if you remember her and her family, uh, that'd be a good time to do it. So it's 16th, that's next Saturday, uh, 1 p.m. for the viewing and 2 p.m. for the service at a funeral home. Um, prayers, like, uh, like Matt mentioned, Lex has O2 levels dipped, dropped. Um, people from the ambulance came and helped them, and I guess they took them away to, to work on them further. So pray for Lex. Uh, he's had problems of breathing and he's the oxygen and stuff. So pray for Lex and pray for Edith course on all that 
Uh, Liz Turner, Chuck and Susan's daughter, um, was to the ER last night with some complications, and it, she has uh, the COVID and the flu all at the same time. So that's uh, not good. So um, pray for Liz, pray for them. Um, some updates, some other ones. Lloyd Dickerson, uh, his AFib, uh, last night he was here, and he said, uh, he said he was having a pretty good day. But today, I guess he's having blood pressure problems, which go along with the AFib, so he's at home. So pray for Lloyd. And Gail Griffin fell last week. Um, she's bruised up. She uh, broke her nose, and she had a concussion. Um, concussions, uh, if you're a concussion person or a concussion family, you know the symptoms of those are not good. And uh, Gail's are not healing as rapidly as they expected them to, so she will see, a, see her doctor this week and possibly move on from there to help treat those uh, concussion symptoms. So pray for Gail. Um, this evening, Matt's going to speak some more on Daniel, his fifth in a series that's on Daniel, so we'll more on Daniel tonight. Uh, on a Wednesday night, we'll continue our Proverbs to live by. That's again a good discussion. We've had some, it's still on, right? You haven't changed subjects? Psalms to live by or Job to live by? Proverbs, okay. So it'll still be that this week. And uh, come if you can, it's online too. Uh, it's also archived on YouTube, Facebook, and um, Spotify. So thank you all. Let your light shine until we meet again. Our closing song today is entitled Angels We Have Heard on High. I'm dedicating this song to our sweet sister, Georgia Smith. If it's convenient, shall we stand? Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to come together to worship you. Father, we thank you for the blessing that's been. Father, we pray that the things we've said and done will be pleasing to you and uplifting to us. Father, we thank you so much for the great love that you have for us, the love that caused you to send your Son 
to die a terrible death to save us from our sins. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have because of him. Father, we pray that we'll take this message, that as we go through the busyness of the season, that we keep our minds on the things that are truly important. Father, we know that in this season that many are thinking about you, some for maybe the first time this year. Father, we pray that you would help us to be aware of them and be able to teach them and tell them about you. Father, we know that there are those that at this time of year that most of us are full of joy, that are lonely and discouraged. Father, help us to be aware of them as well. <clears throat> Encourage them as much as we can. Help us to minister to them. Father, we pray your blessings on those that are sick, those that are struggling with health problems, those that were just mentioned, as well as all those on the list in the bulletin and others we may know about. Please heal them. Please comfort them. Help us to reach out and assist them in any way we can. Father, guide us as we leave this place. Bring us back the next time we ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.